Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Freedom of Species would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, who are the traditional owners of the land on which we broadcast today. We pay our respect to the elders of all of the lands on which we meet across Australia. Hi everyone, welcome to Freedom of Species, the radio show that brings animal advocacy to the airwaves. That was Sally with Out of the Pan and her 18th celebrationary show, 18 years. Congratulations, Sally. Yeah, that's fantastic. A great show too, with live music. That was fantastic. My name's Trevor. Um, I'd also like to acknowledge that we're on the land of the Wurundjeri people and sovereignty was never ceded and that we should think about that with everything that we do including especially what happens when governments are trying to force things with referendums and the like that might be going against the wishes of a fair chunk, if not the majority of First Nations people. Um, Yeah, we really should be doing our best to seek out all the opinions, not just the ones that get the media attention or at least the brightest media attention and see what what they would like to be done with their land. Uh, I'm also joined by Megan. Hello, everyone. Yeah. And um, you would like to introduce today's show? Absolutely, yes, and well said, Trev. I absolutely agree. Um, So today's show is going to be a fairly lighthearted show. We're going to talk about um, the relationship between our human and animal friendships throughout the history of time. We're going to talk about uh, animals that we would normally see as companion animals. We're going to talk about animals that we wouldn't normally see, including uh, animals we often see as farm animals, inverted commas, but also relationships with wild animals. Um, So, yeah, quite Mm. uh, an interesting but lighthearted um, but informative show today for that you. That sounds really cool. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Well, let's get on to it. Um, so, yeah, you're listening to 3CR Freedom of Species and we love having you here on a Sunday listening to us and we enjoy uh, being here in the studio. Yeah. So why don't we start off with um, a couple of species that we see as our uh, companion animals. So everyone sort of looks at these animals and says, yeah, hey, humans are friends with them. No worries. Starting off with what a lot of people uh, actually see as man's best friend or human's best friend, uh, the dog. Mm. Mm. Scientific name, Canis familiaris. Um, so they're actually a direct descendant of wolves. Um, in fact, uh, genetic testing has seen that they're a direct descendant of an extinct Pleistocene wolf. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's quite interesting. Um, so it's kind of because it's back in the mist of time and we're still trying to figure out the story of where the friendship between humans and dogs began. Um, it's it's sometime in the distant past, possibly up to 130,000 years ago, oh, that wow. we first became friends with dogs. Now, it's accepted that the science has absolutely accepted that it's anywhere between 12 to 40,000 years, but new evidence is emerging that it's actually a lot longer, a lot more uh, into the distant past. Yeah, wow. So... I mean, picture it, somewhere in the distant past, as I said, up to 130,000 years ago, 
the first wolf made its home beside a human campfire. And we don't exactly know how that happened. We don't know whether wild wolves and the pack that they were in decided to have this kind of um, wary friendship with humans uh, whose campfires provided uh, shelter and safety and warmth or whether it was that um, humans actually had, they came across a, a puppies um you know a litter mm. of puppies and they and they got them and they actually brought them into their societies yeah. but we know that it was most likely happening at a number of points across time so it wasn't just one instance it seems to be multiple instances uh that this um this friendship and this um relationship between humans and, and dogs occurred and that yeah. would have been before um, farming or agricultural practices would have happened as well, Absolutely, wouldn't it? Absolutely, yes. Now, um, it is it is interesting. So what was the reason why humans became friends with animals? And there's a couple of different um, there's a couple of different sort of theories that we have. And one of them is that uh, that the relationship between wolves and humans came about for protection. So protection for the humans in that the uh, the wolves, who are pack animals similar to humans, would see these humans as part of their pack and defend them if there were any other dangers mm. in the area. And the, the wolves themselves would have the benefit of the safety and warmth of the campfire and also uh, the benefit of uh, human protection as well. So yeah. it was a mutual benefit, uh, this this um, this thing. We also have the idea that there was um, uh, some kind of hunting uh, strategy that they used. So uh, humans may have brought wolves into their human packs in order to actually hunt other animals and procure food. Uh, it could be a mixture of these reasons. We don't really know. And we don't actually know whether humans, we think that humans actually domesticated dogs, but there is a possibility that, that sorry, the domesticated wolves, but there's a possibility that the wolves actually domesticated themselves and brought themselves into mm. the human settlements. So, yeah, it's all like really, really interesting. And this was when humans were still nomadic as well. Still nomadic. There was no agriculture. So they yeah. were actually wandering across, um, you know, uh, the areas with no permanent settlements. So mm. the dog, the wolves themselves would wander with them. Yeah, wow. And, you know, there's been things like, so you'd think maybe, uh, you know, these early humans saw these dogs as, as not friends and something that was just kind of like a tool, like you would have like a, a spear or something like that. But there has been evidence to show that there's actually proper burials of dogs um, as much oh, as wow. 10,000 years ago where we see dogs buried with the respect that uh, human members of a village were buried. Yeah, so right. there is this idea that it wasn't just a, a friendship of convenience. It was definitely a friendship where there was something to be gotten from both sides and there seemed to be respect from the human sides, which is fantastic. And then, of course, we see, you know, modern dogs and the friendship yeah. that we have with them, which is actually really um, – so the the – Friendship between dogs and humans is quite unique in all of the friendships that we have with animals. So dogs are probably the best able to read our facial expressions, which is absolutely amazing in itself. They can hear the tone of our voice if we're angry, if we're sad. They can uh, actually take cues from us, bodily cues. So dogs are actually one of the only creatures who understand the concept of pointing. Yeah, so if we actually... Wow point to something, they'll follow our arm along and watch where we actually point to and then go towards that object as an instruction, which yeah. is absolutely amazing. There's another benefit that dogs give us in that uh, dogs have a massively uh, enhanced sense of smell, as you probably already mm. know. 
dogs can smell whether we're happy or sad. They can actually detect our emotions through our sense of smell. And not only that, they can actually detect whether we are ill as well. So there's been instances, yeah, yeah, there's been instances of um, dogs sniffing a particular part of one of their family members' Mm. um, bodies and being quite concerned. And the family member goes and gets checked out and it's cancer or something. There's other... um, and, and this is actually used, so people use uh, support animals. So if they have seizures, a, a dog can often tell when a seizure is coming by the, the human smell mm. and they can alert them to the fact and so the human can get down into the safety position or call for help, etc. So yeah. there is this wonderful mutual benefit to the friendship that we have between dogs and ourselves. And dogs, you know, anyone who's owned or who, who's had a, a dog as a companion knows that dogs gain great happiness being around humans. It's definitely a mutual thing. Um, and so our relationship with dogs is actually often one of the first relationships with animals that we really think about and we really actually um, kind of take a step from there and look at other animals in our lives. Mm. And so, yeah. Do you have any dog stories at all that you have? Like, I mean, oh, I've had God. so many I do. I mean, <laughs> it's hard to think yeah. that, like, um, me and my partner, Davida, who is on this show sometimes, um, we've been fostering for the last year and a half or so. So we're on our third foster. Fantastic. And that's been a really interesting experience, um, you know, taking in a dog that is you know, in need in, in different ways yeah. um, and then having to say goodbye after a couple of months as well and sort of, but the, the good feeling of finding them a forever home as well and then seeing the updates, we've, we've been able to see the updates of the two that we've foster, um, oh, adopted really out good. and um, it's a great feeling yeah. seeing them, you know, thrive in a, in a proper environment. That's fantastic. Um, one of the dog stories that sticks out in my mind um, in, in my childhood was we had a dog, a Samoyed called Sam, And Sam decided that my younger brother, who was three years younger than me, uh, was his absolute best friend and he was going to protect him no matter what. And one day my brother, who was prone to wander, uh, went missing probably at the age of three or four. And so he wasn't very verbal. He wasn't really able to tell people who he was and where Mm -hmm. he lived. Um, and when my mother called the police, it was a small country town, she called the police, she um, said, uh, he's with a big white dog. When you find them, don't approach them, um, just let me know because I'll have to come and get them. And um, sure enough, they found my brother and with Sam following, you know, closely alongside him and Sam wouldn't let, he wasn't violent, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't aggressive at all, but he would not let anyone he didn't know that wasn't part of his pack near my brother until my mother came. And so, I mean, obviously Sam saw like he saw him as part of the pack my brother and he saw um you know he saw my mother as part of the pack and so she was allowed to get him but nobody else was but he also saw this like need of protection absolutely need of protection Uh, he was fantastic and obviously because my son my my brother was so young he was um the one in most need of protection so Yeah, yeah wow Absolutely fantastic. Look, dogs are dogs are a fascinating animal, and a lot of people do have that, um, you know, that relationship with them. And as I said, like they're just so um, so in tune with us, and so in tune with our needs, and and you know what we see as a valuable friendship. So, you know, when when people say dogs are humans' best friends, it, it kind of fits in that in that context because mm. we have had such a long friendship with them, and we have actually you know seen a mutual benefit from that friendship. So, mm. yeah, I, I guess basically um, 
I want to move on to maybe cats now because, again, cats are some uh, another creature that we see as a companion animal and a lot of people have very fulfilling and loving relationships with, with cats. And I also want to draw it back to the dogs. So um, one of the massive health benefits of uh, having a dog or a cat as a part of your family is the patting of the pets. Mm. Now, you'd think, okay, it kind of makes you feel good, but it actually has um, some peer-reviewed benefits to your health. So mental health is significantly uh, benefited by patting a a companion animal for 15 minutes. They've also found that you can lower your blood pressure as much as 10% by patting a dog or cat for 15 minutes. Um, And, of course, the dog and the cat love the pats as well. It's this, again, coming back to that mutual benefit uh, that, that comes from a typical friendship. This is not you know, one, a human or an animal using the other. It's literally a mutual benefit and a friendship that they have. Mm. So if we get to cats, now we haven't had as much of a relationship with cats as we have with dogs. Um, You know, it's a very ancient relationship that we have with dogs. But with cats, you mentioned before about agriculture. So agriculture is actually when we first started to have our relationship with cats. So it was approximately, I think it was uh, eight to 12,000 years ago that we first had... um, Cats uh, come down from their wild habitats like the mountains, etc., cetera, uh, and come into our human settlements. Now, the reason why they did that, and here's where it gets interesting. So we think that we domesticated dogs, but it looks like cats actually domesticated themselves. Wow. Now, anyone who's had a, a, a cat as a companion animal is <laughs> nodding their head going, yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> so... What happened was when we started to uh, use the technology of agriculture, we seemed to have this um, – uh, we, we started storing grains and we started storing food. Mm. And what that did was a lot of rodents and pest animals were coming around this store of food because right. it was an easy store of yeah. you know food to access. And what these um, animals – and the wild – it's actually the African wildcat that uh, the cat is uh, descended from. And the scientific name for the cat is Felis catus or Felis domesticus, depending on which source you go with. So these African wildcats um, – so it, it was actually in the Near East that, um, that they were actually domesticated first. So these African wildcats came down into this human settlement and started hanging around these silos mm. with the easy pickings of the mice and the rodents. And they just stuck around. And that's how they actually came to start interacting with humans. Yeah. And what happened was over thousands of years, what we saw was the cats that stuck around in that particular niche, so it's a human-based um, food source niche, were the cats that were the most docile and human-friendly and that's how we actually got um, the the domestic cat. So, again, the same sort of benefit that we have. I mean, a lot of people see cats as very aloof and, and very independent. And whilst that's, that's true, they still actually like our company. They still seek our company out. They still want to be around us. Mm. And, um, again, that mutual benefit. I mean, if you've ever pat a cat, you know, patted a cat, it loves to be patted. Sometimes, sometimes not. <laughs> so, and there are danger zones that you really don't want to, you know, pat. But that but, also would explain why um, domesticated cats are sort of a lot smaller and less muscular and less yes. athletic than maybe their descendants because they yeah. didn't need to be. They would have just had this exactly. e- abundant food su- supply right there and they they didn't feel threatened. They didn't feel 
Like they didn't have to expend a lot of energy every day running and, and, exactly. and hunting and tracking. Yeah. Now, the African wildcat's not a big cat, so it was never actually big in the first place, but mm. it was definitely larger than the um, the average domestic cat. And what we find in a lot of animals is domestication breeds a smaller frame. Mm. So it's the same with dogs, it's the same with cats, uh, it's even the same with cows, which we'll talk about a little bit later. So, yeah, there's so many interesting things. But, yeah, you generally, in general, domestic animals that we share our lives with are smaller than their wild counterparts Yeah, uh, because of the reasons that you stated. Mm. Yeah, it's quite interesting. And I'm just trying to think now. Yeah, it's it, it, there's some interesting things about cats. Um, so the ancient Egyptians, like a lot of people um, would know, actually saw them as gods. And if you killed a cat, you would actually suffer the pain of um, being killed yourself. It was right. that sacred. Cats were sacred. Um, cats were revered in the in the Egyptian culture. Now the Romans saw them in a more of a secular light. They saw them as uh, symbols of liberty. And in the Far East, uh, cats were valued for the protection they gave important manuscripts from being nibbled by rodents. So, again, there's that usefulness of, you know, uh, making sure that the things that humans valued were not destroyed. And these days, um, cats... Assuming the cat didn't shred it to pieces. Well, yeah, exactly. And there's actually... How funny is this? Um, There's actually ancient manuscripts where a cat has... uh, like walked in ink and then walked across them and we still have that <laughs> and then there's actually ancient roman bricks uh and and you know and and later and recent more recent bricks where there's actually cat prints in the bricks wow, poor we prints. can see them poor prints it's amazing <laughs> so yes they have been around a while and they have been mucking up our stuff for a long time so <laughs> but we love them um so, yeah, it's interesting because um, cats these days can actually be found as employees of post offices and employees of libraries, uh, helping children, you know, uh, you know, come to the library and, and feel uh, welcome and, and have these exciting animals there. Um, there's actually uh, instances, and this is cats and dogs, where cats and dogs have ran for um, council and local political really? uh, places. And in some instances, they've won. <laughs> I can't remember exactly where it was, but there was actually a mayor of some small American town that was a dog. <laughs> Everyone was happy with that, by the way. So, yeah, and cats are really, really interesting. So, yeah, that's kind of wraps up the cat and the dog um, aspect of our friendships with animals. And I figured we maybe go to the first um, song. Yeah, that go we to have. a song. Yeah, so I want to introduce this song. Um, I actually had the privilege of seeing the uh, this band that we're going to play the song from Hailung uh, at the forum, live at the forum yesterday, last night. Uh, the uh, the song that we're going to hear is Norupo by Hailung, uh, and they are actually a folk fusion. Um, so they actually got very strong Nordic um, ancient roots with their music. And again, these are the areas that the wolves were um, domesticated. So it's kind mm. of very fitting song and it's an absolutely right. beautiful, it's one of my favourite songs. Oh, uh-huh. 
believe in the right to protest? Are you concerned about climate change and the environment? Then come and make your voice heard at a mass meeting on the right to organise for climate and the environment. Join others at 6.30pm on Tuesday, March 7th at 535 Elizabeth Street, Central Melbourne to discuss and then vote on practical ways to support climate action and the environment and to defend the right to protest. Speakers include proud Gunai Kurnai woman Marjorie Thorpe, United Workers Union's Godfrey Mose, and Environment Justice Australia lawyer Natalie Hogan, and will be facilitated by Tuffy Morwitzer, campaigner for the Goongarra Environment Centre. Come participate in some direct democracy for a better world. Your voice matters. RSVP is essential. Go to gecko.org.au forward slash calendar to book your ticket. This event is wheelchair accessible and Auslan interpreted. A 3CR supporter. The Uruk Justice Commission is the first formal truth-telling inquiry into injustice experienced by First Peoples in Victoria. From Monday, February 27 to Friday, March 10, Uruk is holding public hearings with First Peoples witnesses who have experienced injustice in the child protection and criminal justice systems. You can watch the hearings online or make a submission at urukjusticecommission.org. A 3CR supporter. You're back on 3CR. This is Freedom of Species. Uh, what was that last track we heard, Megan? So that was Nurupo by Hailung. Awesome. It was a great track. It was fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. And you saw them last night, wasn't it? I saw them last night live at the forum and uh, they actually did one show here, but they were so popular and sold out so quickly. They're apparently doing another show on Monday and I believe that's also at the forum as well. Oh, wow. But that might yeah. be sold out as well. But Could be sold out. They're very popular. Yes. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Excellent. Um, so, yeah, um, what I wanted to do is before we get on to the next segment of uh, the show, I wanted to also point out that there is, um, even though uh, dingoes are not dogs and they're not um, descended from wolves, uh, but we have our own uh, domesticated canine here in Australia. So that was bought over about 10,000 years ago. I just wanted to right. mention that. Um, and they're actually not related to the domestic dog. So not like oh. not the same species. So, yeah, very interesting, but it just sort of gives it that Australian slant as well. Interesting, yeah. Yeah. So what I wanted to do with this next segment um, was I wanted to talk about uh, annual animals and our friendship with animals that are not traditionally seen as companion animals. Um, mm. So animals that have been brought into the into human society for other reasons. So uh, things like cows, pigs, chickens, goats, etc. So these animals are not traditionally seen as friend like friend animals and companion animals. However, because our relationship over the years has evolved. So our relationship towards animals and our relationship towards our food and what we have as food and what, what we see animals as, um, there is a significant and growing uh, movement where people are relating to our domesticated, what we call farm animals, in more of a friendship and mutually beneficial uh, way, mm. which is which is great. I mean, it, it definitely, it's, it's a slow evolution, but it's an evolution nonetheless. So I wanted to start off with uh, chickens. So mm. chickens hold a special place in my heart. <laughs> uh, when I was growing up, 
Uh, chickens were my friends. They were my family. Uh, I was part of their flock. And so uh, chickens were very much a part of me and a, a part of who I am. Uh, and they, they form, they help form who I am. Yeah. Um, so the scientific name for chickens is Gallus gallus domesticus. Uh, they're actually, uh, they're the ancestor or the ancestor of them is the jungle fowl, which is subspecies mm. Gallus gallus speedicus. Uh, chickens emerged uh, as a species somewhere around four to 10,000 years ago, so uh, not as old as dogs and cats uh, mm. with their relationship with us, um, but still quite a, a long time. Uh, chickens were first domesticated in rice fields uh, planted by Southeast Asian farmers. And shortly after this, they were actually moved westward where they were seen as exotic and revered animals and not as a source of food, which will be of interest to wow. some. Yeah, so... Our relationship with chickens has not simply been a utilitarian um, relationship where we get something from them. They don't particularly get much except for maybe safety, but we are definitely the – it's not a friendship. Safety it's, to a point. It, to a point. <laughs> it, we have to definitely emphasize to, that. To a day Exactly, yes. So, yeah, so chickens have a great memory for faces. This is one of the most amazing things I find about chickens. Now, I used to think that chickens could, could – memorize 50 faces and when i actually look this up to do research uh, for today they can actually recognize up to 100 faces wow so this is a hundred faces of both their chickens and their human friends so these chickens are wandering around and again same with um dogs they have a very hierarchy hierarchical and social structure to their mm. um populations so chickens have friends Chickens um, definitely express friendship to chickens and also to us. Um, chickens can uh, express object permanence, and this one actually gets people as well. So a lot of animals and some, you know, some humans that are under two or whatever uh, do not have the concept of what's called object permanence. So if you take an object and you hide it, some animals think it's gone. It doesn't exist anymore chickens know that it still still exists oh, right. another interesting thing about chickens is cognitively they're actually on a par almost with cats and dogs so they're actually quite yeah. a smart species uh, and they are quite a social species and they do seek out that social interaction which mm. also includes humans um so i wanted to maybe uh, talk about some stories of mine i have so so many stories <laughs> of chickens but one of the ones that I want to talk about is when I was a kid. And as I said, uh, as a kid, my friends were chickens. Uh, they accepted me as part of their flock and I, they were my friends and my family. Uh, one day I was sick of my human family and I said to my mum, I yelled at you, I hate you, I'm going to go out and sleep with the chickens. And she's like, <laughs> okay, fine, go and sleep with the chickens. So I go out and I get up on the roost. I don't know how I do that, but as a young kid, I do that. And the chickens make room for me like it's just the most normal thing in the world wow. because I'm part of their flock. Anyway, my mum, who's she's pretty smart, she knows that if she says, come out, get back in the house, you know, I won't go in. So she comes out and she gives me a blanket. She gave me a blanket and as she was walking off, she goes, she turns around and goes, oh, by the way, be careful of the foxes. And so I'm sitting here still really angry at my mum for who knows what, I don't know, it's just in the midst of time. Um, and it gets quiet and it's dark and the chickens are going to sleep and just, you know, sitting there and there's this big human chicken with them because it's part of their flock. Um, and I start to think about the foxes and I'm like, what do foxes do? Do they eat people? What is this? Oh, my gosh. Why should I be wary of foxes? And, of course, 
after a while, it got the best of me. My fear basically sent me into back into the house like my mum knew it would. And I basically like, oh, yeah, I think I'll stay in the house today. But the, the really interesting thing about that story was that my mum watched it and the chickens literally made room for me yeah, because wow. I was one of their own. And then there was another time uh, when I was um, going to school for the first time. So I was young. I was, I guess, about five. And my mother said to my sister, take, take your sister to primary school. And my sister went to high school, but she had to walk me to primary school. So it was the first day and the chickens didn't know what was happening and they followed me everywhere. And so the chickens started following me to school. And I thought that was the best thing in the world because (laughs) I was going to learn. And, of course, if I was going to learn, then my chicken friends wanted to learn. And this is brilliant. I can introduce all my new friends to my chicken friends. And, of course, my sister had a meltdown. She was a teenager and she was so embarrassed. And um, she had to call my mum to come and grab these chickens <laughs> that were halfway to school with us. It was just brilliant. And then the third story I wanted to tell you, and, and this is kind of like all of these stories really emphasise um, just how much of a mutual benefit and pleasure we get, you know, with our friendships and my, personally with my friendships with chickens. So when I was at university, um, I had this beautiful silky bantam and she used to ride around on my shoulder. I trained her to ride around on my shoulder. But the really thing, the really weird thing was that um, she had a particular preference and I don't know how we got, we got to know this, but she liked to be rolled up in a towel and lay there with me to watch telly. (laughs) And every now and then she just let out this trill of happiness. She was just so, it was like a spa day for her. It was brilliant. So yeah, chickens are absolutely fantastic. And I just wanted to, um, you know, go through what the personal experience of chickens and friendship with with them was. But I wanted to go on to now cows because cows are also an amazing creature, yeah. as you probably know. Scientific name, Bos Taurus, B-O-S, Bos Taurus. Right. Cows are social creatures. The ancient ancestors um, of them are aurochs, which are these huge um, bovine um, creatures that are twice the size of, of cows. I've never had the privilege of being friends with a cow. Have you had the privilege of being friends with a cow? Yeah, so I was lucky enough to work at the Animal Sanctuary for Animal Liberation Victoria. Nice. Um, that's out in regional Victoria. Yeah. And I was there for six months working full time and that was great. They have, at the time, I think they've got a few more now, but they had 13 cows on the property. Wow. And um, some of them were special needs. One was blind yeah. and one was um, not not as comfortable with the other cows around and, and sort of stayed in a, a more slightly more confined space, but where they could get get a um, more one-on-one style, you know, feeding and, and other sort of help. Um, and they appreciated that, which was good. But, yeah. Um, yeah, there was one in particular, there was one time, because Davida used to join me a couple of times at the sanctuary and help out as well. And Oscar was this um, this cow that had joined fairly new to the group at the time. And mm. she, <laughs> we, we would go down and just hang out, with, especially Davida would go down and hang out with them a little bit, um, you know, in the afternoon. And he started... Oscar started dancing around like a dog would play with the front paws bouncing from side to side. And then he, as a, like his body would sort of go like a couple of steps one way, a couple of steps the other way. And Davida joined in and started playing with him. And I was watching from afar and it was amazing just to see, it was just like a big dog, but a cow um, playing around and sort of jumping up and bucking occasionally, but just in a really playful manner. That's amazing. Um, And that shows genuine joy with the interaction with that human. Yeah. I think it would have started with us feeding them bread or something across the fence like it normally does and patting them. And then it just 
went into this little play session for about awesome. a minute. It was great. That's fantastic. <laughs> and again, cows are really social creatures. So they have um, very strong bonds with other cows and also with humans because what happens is if you spend enough time with a cow, it accepts you as part of their herd, mm. the same as the chickens I was talking about. Um, and cows, it's interesting as well. So the um, the the cow-calf, the mother-calf um, uh, relationship with cows as well, uh, it actually – uh, goes on for quite some time, yeah. um, you know, up to actually when the cow is an the calf is an adult. Definitely. It's a very strong bond that they have, and a lot of people don't realise that cows can live up to twenty, sometimes twenty five years. Mm. They form bonds that are absolutely deep and and definitely a friendship that they have. Cows have best friends, mm. and they they have they are seen to grieve when they have their, their best friend dies or when the the calves are taken away from them. Uh, this is a definite thing that we see with calves and cows um, and we our friendships and you can see like there's hundreds and hundreds of videos, especially animal sanctuaries, of this human cow relationship that we have, these yeah. absolutely lovely videos that you can see. And it's um, it's good that you pointed out sanctuaries because what's happening and the phenomenon that I'm seeing is uh, that we have this issue um, that the the nature of how people see cows is significantly being affected by the videos that are coming out of these sanctuaries. Mm. People are calling them grass puppies and, you know, all of these sorts of things and really relating them to dogs and going, hey, I didn't realise that they acted so much like dogs, like yeah. you were saying. So this attitude that we have of cows is just not a sentient creature. It's not a, it's not a creature. It's simply an object that we eat is slowly being eroded away by the great work that these sanctuaries are doing when they do outreach. Mm. It's an absolutely fantastic thing to see. Yeah. yeah. Is it time for another song? I reckon it's time for another song. Yes, okay. absolutely. What's I the can. Next one? Uh, so uh, again, it's kind of in the same vein of uh, traditional peoples. Uh, this is "Storm" by Otkin. Uh, again, it's another folk fusion, same as Heilung, uh, but this is actually by an Inuit band. So Otkin is an Inuit band and, oh, right. um, again, great relationship that they have with dogs. Dogs have been around and they've, um, you know, they've, they've been in uh, Inuit communities for a long time. Yeah. Yeah.
to 3CR's annual International Women's Day broadcast. 24 hours of women and non-binary news, views and music on Wednesday the 8th of March. We want to celebrate the resistance, talent, strengths and power of women and genderqueer living here in the Kulin Nation and of those living, fighting and creating change all over so-called Australia and the world. This International Women's Day celebration is a celebration of feminism that knows that liberation from gender depression can never be achieved without dismantling all systems of domination and subjugation. From midnight Sunday the 7th of March until midnight on Monday the 8th of March, we'll bring you 24 hours of radio by women and non-binary presenters, producers and musicians. For details, go to 3cr.org.au forward slash IWD 2023. Coming to 3CR on the 13th of March is Rainbows Don't Fade with Age. Rainbows Don't Fade with Age, presented by VELS LGBTI Ageing and Aged Care, sharing stories and information to empower and inspire action for all those interested in the health, well-being and visibility of older LGBTI plus people. Rainbows Don't Fade with Age on Mondays at 2pm every fortnight on 3CR. Welcome back to Freedom of Species. You're here with Trevor and Megan, and we're talking about animal relationships with humans and with other animals. And that last song, what was that last song, Megan? That last song was Storm by Otkin. Nice. Great song. Excellent. So, yeah, um, what we want to do now is just move on to the last segment of the show, which basically talks about friendships with wild animals. So we've talked about animals that are traditionally seen as our companion animals. We've talked about animals that have traditionally been seen as domesticated animals that we are starting to develop relationships and friendships with Mm. on a, a mutually beneficial basis. But what I also want to do is talk about the fact that there are actually animals out in the wild that will often seek the company of humans and develop friendships with those humans. Mm. Um, and it's actually across, seems to be a cross-species thing. There's a lot of uh, different types of animals, octopuses, uh, fish, uh, so many different types of animals that will often just bump into humans and form friendships with them and long-term quite solid friendships as yeah. well. Now, um, you actually had a story that we were talking about before the show that I'd really love you to talk about. Yeah, it was a really, um, it was a long time ago before I was vegan. Um, mm. I was traveling in Africa on a, a sort of tour with, on a tour bus and we stopped at a place that was sort of like a zoo, um, but for wild animals and a, a bit more of, less of a zoo and more of a, I don't know, opening sort of enclosure thing. But mm. Basically, I was wandering around on my own and I came across this baboon in an enclosure and the enclosure was quite small, maybe the size of a bedroom. Um, and I was there on my own. And at the time I had quite bad eczema or um, sort of scaly skin on my fingers and I was a bit embarrassed about it, but I was putting my hand up at the cage towards this baboon and I was thinking in my head, they see us as the enemy or they see us as their captors that are that are keeping them prisoner and that they're probably, you know, they, they don't like humans gawking at them all day. But um, they just hung around with me right at the front of the cage and then they started using their fingernail to, little, to pick bits of my dead skin off my hand. And I wow. didn't even know that they were going to do that. And then they started and they kept on doing that for about two minutes. 
And I was just blown away. Like, I was just having this moment on my own, just in this corner of this area in, in a little sort of zoo thing in Africa. And I just couldn't believe that this imprisoned animal was still showing such attention and care and and for for a human that they would probably i thought see as an enemy and it was yeah a really really amazing moment and then i i, yeah. I, I cried and I, I sort of felt sad that i had to leave them in a cage and, and walk away 10 minutes later and never see them again but that always stuck with me Absolutely. And um, I kind of see that as um, something that you might sort of look at to like widen your sphere of friendship and compassion. Uh, and it was probably a real eye opener for you. Yeah. Um, one of the things about primates is that uh, when they are in groups, again, a social animal, they'll actually groom each other. Uh, mm. And that's actually a form of bonding and a form of, um, you know, uh, mutual support that they give to you. So when they did that to you, it was actually showing that they felt like you were part of uh, that kind of support network. Yeah. And it's really interesting to me listening to that sort of story that um, even though they were caged, they were denied their freedom and who knows how they were treated within mm. that facility. And they were definitely alone in that yeah, cage. Yeah, exactly. And being social creatures, that's actually a form of um, isolation and depression for them. They, like they will develop. Yeah. Exactly. It's a form of torture. Um Despite all of these adversities that they'd gone through, they still showed compassion and support and kindness to you, yeah. which really shows me that, you know, in particular primates actually have this sort of um, notion that they can build friendships outside their species circle. Mm. And I think that that compassion would really, for anyone, I, I know I would have been quite moved by that as well. Yeah. And it would have made me think about all these things that we do and these relationships that we have with animals. Mm. So, yeah, thank you so much for that story. Mm. That, that's brilliant. Yeah. Um, I wanted to talk about another um, story. We don't have a lot of time at the moment uh, to talk about wild animal friendships. And there are a lot of um, uh, stories of these wild animal friendships. Uh, I think I can't remember. I was going to look it up and didn't have time. There's actually a documentary. I think it's called My Octopus Friend. Do you know about that one? My Octopus Teacher. My Octopus Teacher. Yeah, that's it. it. Yeah. Um, yeah. How did you find it? Like, you know, what with well, it was interesting to... that you said octopus yeah. in the intro because that uh, I thought of that documentary. Yes. And yeah, it was pretty yeah. pretty special. Like just to see yeah. how much they can, yeah, interact and uh, over a long time scale as well. Yes. Like more than just a fleeting or an in, an individual one off. Exactly. Um, interaction. It was, yeah. it was over over many multiple subsequent interactions. Yeah. Which and was... actually remember that person yeah. as well. I mean, the, the tragedy about octopus, octopuses, it's actually not octopi, um, octopuses <laughs> um, is that even though they're, they're highly intelligent creatures, they're yeah. one of the most uh, intelligent um, uh, non-spine animals, essentially. Um but they have quite short lifespans, which mm. is really sad. Um, but, yeah, we, we can form friendships um, with them. And actually, speaking of long-term friendships, uh, there's this really interesting story that I learned about several years ago. Uh, so there's a Japanese diver called uh, Hiroyuki Arakawa, uh, and he is a, a diver who cleans a, a Shinto shrine. Uh, and he's made a, a friendship uh, with a, an Asian sheep's head rash fish. Ras fish, sorry, he calls Yuriko. And they've had a friendship for 25 years now. Yeah. So Yuriko lives off the coast of Japan uh, in the, the Hasama Underwater Park, which is where this shrine um, is. And um, so Hiroyuki goes there and cleans the shrine on a regular basis. And um, Yuriko actually goes up to him and 
actually interacts with him and oh. knows him and they cuddle and they kiss and wow. they have this friendship. There is an absolute friendship there. There is absolutely recognition uh, and there is no reason um, for Yoriko to to go to him other than for companionship. Mm. Uh you know, and it, this is an amazing thing. This is a fish, and a fish is not something that a lot of people would see as uh, as a creature that can form these kinds of friendships. Yeah. Um, and because these um, these uh, ships had rasses, sorry, um, have such long lives, they've been able to have this friendship for a quarter of a century. Wow! It's just absolutely amazing. And stories of these wild animal friendships are everywhere. If you go onto um, you know YouTube and you look up wild animal friendships, human uh, wild animal friendships, you'll come, you'll go down a rabbit hole. Yeah. It's absolutely amazing. We really, unfortunately, don't um, appreciate fully the idea that we can form bonds that are mutually beneficial to both humans and animals and in, in a non-exploitative way. Mm. And I think that we are slowly starting to realise that and we are slowly starting to realise that animals are not here for us, that we can live in, the, in this world and we can have these fulfilling relationships with animals without exploiting them, without using them mm. and not ha- not having them have anything back, essentially. Yeah. And that's kind of the gist of the whole thing here. This whole show is showing people animal friendships are valuable and friendships themselves, whether they be between human and human, human and animal, animal and animal, are mutually beneficial. They yeah. benefit both parties and that's what a friendship is, essentially. Mm. Yeah. And for any of our listeners who have had limited or none, no experiences like that, maybe to mm. be aware and to think about it next time you're around in the presence of other animals, even wild animals, and just think, mm. how could I maybe act or change my mindset a little bit to see if this interaction could become a friendlier interaction yes. or could, could actually yeah. develop some sort of meaningful interaction between rather than just a a fear or a necessity type reaction that is common these days like people are just told to fear certain animals or Mm. this is the these animals we use these animals we you know they serve this purpose but just to go with a bit Mm. more of an open mind of well what's this individual animal thinking feeling and exactly don't put yourself into the box do they want to interact with me yeah. I think we've got a little bit of time just to really quickly talk about um, crows. So I don't know if you know, crows are very um, uh, very intelligent, members of Corvidae family. Some people have actually b- developed friendships with crows in that they feed them and then the crows bring them trinkets, oh, including wow. shiny things like coins and perhaps oh, yeah. dollar bills, etc. Wow. So it's just another, another example of wild animal friendships and these animals want to be around you and they are giving something to you and you're giving something to them. So, yeah. yeah. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. yeah, that's great. Definitely go. I would definitely recommend to any of our listeners to go on a little YouTube rabbit hole journey <laughs> and have a look at all these beautiful, cute animal videos. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good way to do it, isn't it? Exactly. It's been a great show. Um, yeah. We're going to have to wrap up, but um, thanks, Megan. No worries. Thank you, Trav. Yeah. We're going to be back, obviously, next week, Freedom of Species, between one and two every Sunday. And we'd also like to do a bit of a shout out that International Women's Day yes. is Wednesday, I believe. I believe so, so too, yes. Uh, keep an eye out for events. Mm. Um, and I think there's probably going to be a protest as well um, or yeah. a rally in the city. Rally, yeah. Um, but there's always lots of events and things happening for International Women's Day. Absolutely. And yeah. um, up next after us is uh, Rotations. They'll be playing some music for you for an hour on Sunday afternoon. Excellent. And um, 
yeah, we're going to leave you with a final song. What did you choose? Yeah, Yothu Yindi, uh, Treaty. Obviously very timely and topical right now. Um, That's what we want to leave the show with. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. So, yeah, this is the radio mix of Treaty. And this is Megan and Trevor saying goodbye from Freedom of Species. Have a good afternoon. Goodbye.
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.